You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the show. My guest today, who you're going to love, her name is Angel Jeffria, and she is a self-described bionic actress. Yeah, you heard that right. She's a congenital amputee. She is missing and was born with, that's what congenital means, um, with missing her arm from just below her elbow on her left arm. So she has had a prosthetic before and now has what they refer to as a bionic arm, and it's amazing. You're going to really like this. You can hear, I mean, we talk about it so much in depth and how it works and all the other types of improvements and this type of technology and how it relates to transhumanism at large, which is, you know, mixing people and machines, which is certainly um, in our both present and future, even more so in the future, obviously. But you can like hear her arm moving and making robotic sounds and beeps in this interview. I think you're going to really enjoy it as much as I did. Um, she's an actress. She's done some great stuff. She's been she was a, she was in the Hunger Games, although not a big part. She said it got cut down to about a second or so. But she's a, a real actress doing a lot of stuff. And we talk about bionics and what it's like to you know do all the stuff that she does. And she's very very. Uh, positive and easy to talk to and doesn't make you feel weird to ask weird questions. And I very much enjoyed the conversation. So will you. I'm going to tell you about the sponsor, which is Rockabilia. As usual, there are people are getting good merchandise from them, rock band stuff, pop culture stuff, hats, beanies, posters, hoodies. Get you a good hoodie. Don't get one down at, you know, H&M. Get one here that says your favorite band's name on it. Uh, that's a, that's what I recommend you do. This stuff's officially licensed. Rockabilia is a great company. They've got everything. Uh, go to rockabilia.com and use the promo code PCJabberJaw. You'll get 15% off of whatever you order if you use that. All right, let's do the show. Break it down, Dada. Break it down, oh, break it down. 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 Yeah! Angel, thank you for being on today. I've been listening to some other stuff you've done and interviews and read the article. And was that Popular Science? Was that the article? Yeah, I had a couple. Popular science is one of them. That's great. I love everything in popular science. And um, at at first, I was worried to talk to you because I, you know, it it occurs to me that obviously talking about this and having a bionic or prosthetic arm, you know, it's got to be the thing that you just have to have the conversation ten million times. (laughs) So I feel guilty just going in like I want to ask a bunch of questions about it. But how do you deal with that? You must just have to talk about it all the time. Just got to get old. I mean, so I was born without my arm, right? Mm-hmm. So I've been doing this most of my life. Um, <laughs> I've been wearing a prosthetic since I was six weeks old. Mm-hmm. So I've kind of just grown up talking to people about it. And it really does become like, it is definitely a part of my day. Like no matter where I go, um, I actually went to a show last night and I was I was shocked that nobody asked. I was like, this is the first time I think I've gone out in a while that I haven't heard anything. But at the same time, my arm is pretty noticeable, it, mm-hmm. it, you know, it, it's, you know, metal and it has covers on it. I occasionally have lights in it. So the idea oh, is awesome. like, I'm not, I'm not trying to hide. You know what I mean? It's more so like if people come up, they're like, I'm so sorry that I'm asking about it. I'm like, it's fine. I, okay, I want to turn the lights off otherwise. Yeah. Okay, good. And I, you know, if it, if it was me and we, it was in person and it was just a normal human interchange, I would avoid asking about it. Probably. I might, would I wouldn't be scared or anything. I, I think I would acknowledge it, but I would think the manners would tell me not to ask a bunch of questions that you must get all the time, but I will in the <laughs> podcast, of course. But uh, is that even fundamentally something you, you wish people would? Uh, of course, it must bother you if people try to uh, avoid it or act like it's not there. That's right, got to be right. weird too, right? So what is the normal Typically, line it's for like you? my, my three-sentence rule. I really, I would prefer uh-huh. if we have some sort of like, even if it's... um. A uh, person at the grocery store, right? Someone mm-hmm. checking me out for groceries. Like, oh, how are you? I'm like, I'm good. You know, uh, uh, some, just something about my day. And it's like, oh, that's cool. I'll typically get that. They'll point to my arm and say, oh, that's cool. Like, yeah. you know, that kind of thing. And how, oh, does that, how does that work? That I don't mind. That's fine with me. 
there are the weird times where like I'm in an elevator and you have someone walk in like, oh, how'd you lose your arm? And oh, I'm like, yeah. hi, I'm Angel. Nice to meet you. Oh, man. <laughs> Okay, that's a good. That's really helpful because it actually, you know, demonstrates at least for you a, a line of, of what is good and bad manner. So that is actually helpful. Now I want to <laughs> give people some context of some things that who you are and what you do, and then we'll get even we'll get technical and uh, about some stuff that I'm curious about. But um, so the easiest way to say is this is Angel, and you're uh, are predominantly thinking of yourself as an actress. Is that mm-hmm. that's your career now and yeah. everything? Congratulations to that. You've been in the Hunger Games. Yeah, that was one of the first things I started out at. Um, you can see me for about a quarter of a second because how film works is you get cut out and nobody yeah. tells you, right? <laughs> yes, I was an extra in a movie, and my me and my friends were all extras in a movie one time, and you know you can see it for a half second there. But you, what you're yeah. doing there is real acting, and you, where you have a scene and all this stuff, and then it, it gets mm-hmm. cut down. Yeah, they don't really tell you when that happens. Yeah. That's happened. That happened to me also. I did a movie with Ben Affleck called The Accountant. Uh-huh. Um, and I had a scene with John Lithgow. And we did this really cool scene where I got to show him how my arm worked. And, you know, we were doing all this stuff. And then when it ended up in the movie, it's literally about, you know, a quarter of what it was supposed to be. Oh. My name's still in the credits. That's all that matters. But, you know. <laughs> what are you credited as? What does it say? Um, robotics lab patient. Robotics yeah. lab patient. Very good. Yeah. And so um, what was, how did you get... Well, how about it this way? To for you to do acting, is it always gonna be I don't know if it would be called character acting or specialty. No, I see what that, you're saying. Is it is it gonna be related to or or how much do you embrace or not want? How how much is your prosthetic or bionic arm related mm-hmm. to? You know, I mean, so casting? hopefully not. So right, this is ideally not. this is what they're working for right now in Hollywood, right? Is type to diversify what they're doing, right? They're being mm-hmm. big on trying to present the world accurately because you know they haven't been doing that very well. Right. Um, so the idea is um yeah, most of the roles that I've played so far are bionic this, amputee that, you know, some mm-hmm. type of adjective that describes my limb difference or my prosthesis use. And I think that's important because someone with a limb difference and someone with a prosthesis should be playing those roles. Those yeah. shouldn't be played by people pretending, right? But We're it not shouldn't to take pretend. other people and CGI prosthetic arms. Right, 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 right. It's not okay to pretend to be any other minority. Why are we still pretending to be people mm-hmm. with like physical differences? Like it doesn't make any sense. That's interesting to think about. It takes a second for somebody who hadn't thought about it though right. to think about it. So I think I understand that obviously in the Native American casting right. where you have people dress up like that versus hire those actors. Um, and then of course race stuff is weird like that. Yeah. And then there's been a thing about little people or midgets or mm-hmm. and stuff where they, are they supposed to be cast or can other people play short people or you right. know, that kind of thing. But I haven't thought about it into, into this realm or I, I, which I don't. Okay. Now I've, pin myself into another question that feels awkward. Is this a disability? Do you think of I that? knew you were going to say yeah. that. So well, I, don't, I just came I to don't me naturally. I don't mind the word disability. Case, so there are, so. so within my community, so I have a congenital limb difference or mm-hmm. congenital amputee. Um, some people don't like the word. Um, mm-hmm. They like to say, I'm not disabled. And the problem I have with that is the reason that they're saying that is because they think disability is bad. You know what okay. I mean? They're, you're automatically saying that disability is a bad word. Right. Like my friends that will say, Angel, I would never consider you disabled. And I was like, that's because you think disability is a bad thing. <laughs> like <laughs> it's just it's just a, a way to classify. Like all of us are going to mm-hmm. need some sort of accessibility needs. I need insurance needs to help me provide for my prosthesis, mm-hmm. right? I need that type of health care. So we all just need some sort of accessibility difference. And the idea that disability was a way that they could describe that, that's fine. The word, maybe not, you know, disability, the idea that you're like not able. It's inherently um, a negative connotation. I, but I think people assume it. that you're not able. You're saying, I'm not able. Mm-hmm. I'm not able because the way this task was designed, it was designed for four limbed people, like people who have four limbs mm-hmm. that walk upright and that hear and see. And like, you know, the task mm-hmm. was designed for a specific, you know, general, as opposed to if the task was designed for, you know, anyone, um, is someone who had no arms, right? Mm-hmm. Everyone would be able to do it, right? You know, everyone who had any type of limb difference, like depending on how the task, like why is there not ramps everywhere instead of stairs? Because everyone can go up a ramp, but not mm-hmm. everyone can go upstairs. So I think the term disability to me has more to do with the environment. We're disabled by the fact that the environment looks the way it looks and we have to react to that. Yeah. Okay. So I don't mind the words. There are people, so just as a general rule for how I would go about it, um, 
I would ne- I would wait until someone else uses it. <laughs> but I, I I accept it, and I think it's something that the community should embrace. But I would never tell somebody what they have to do with you know how they see themselves. Thank you for helping me clear that up as I'm stumbling into it. Um, <laughs> something I do have noticed and like about you, uh, and correct me where and if I'm wrong, but it seems that you have this this attitude that is very much embracing the technological aspect, and it seems not to bother you, not only that you have to talk about robotics and mus- muscles and how they hook up. And <laughs> seems like that you really are interested in that and know a lot about it. And it also seems like you're very, let's see if this, tell me how you put this in your brain, but you seem to not be the type of person to embrace victimhood. If I'm saying that, (laughs) I don't know how that resonates to you, but from other things I've heard you do and say, you're very positive on this. And, and, and is that, am I saying that correctly? Yeah. So, what I would say is, is specifically when you talk to people who were born this way, right? Mm-hmm. This is our norm. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times you'll find typically that we're pretty comfortable with ourselves. You know, mm-hmm. you do go through, you know, things as a kid, right? Like you're, you, everyone's growing and changing into their body, right? And if you have a limb difference, obviously that affects you a little bit differently as well. But I think a lot of the time when people are, are having difficulties, it's because they've had to make a big change in their life. So limb loss, like, you know, when they're an acquired amputee, whether through trauma or mm-hmm. surgery or cancer or something like that, diabetes, it becomes that they're having to adapt to this new thing. Um, and so, yeah, I really do love the tech aspect of it. I really do love all of it. It was something that I've grown up with having to be a part of my life, right? I charged my body at night, every night before I went to sleep. Like that was just something that I grew up doing and thinking was normal, you know, in the morning getting dressed or when my friends came over, like, mom, where's my arm? And everyone would be laughing. And it was just like, this was my norm, right? Yeah. You know, just like you grow up that way. And um, I was a normal kid. And th- even thinking back like, to acting, when you're asking about uh, roles that I wanted to play, like I, I'm normal, right? That's normal to mm-hmm. me. So, you know, I do think that it's very important that I continue to play like bionic this, amputee that, that people with these differences play those roles. But also at the same time, like why can't I just be the daughter, the girlfriend, mm-hmm. the sister, right? Because You'll see me shopping for groceries wearing this. Like, why can't I just be the person in the grocery store? But we're not there yet. You know, we're working on it with diversity stuff. You know, we're working on people realizing that this is the normal, you know, seeing someone with a cool bionic hand out or just seeing someone with a limb difference out. You know, anybody like that at all, just we exist and to have that represented better in TV and film Mm -hmm. would be really cool too. Well, I heard you say stuff like you don't like it when people try to, you know, volunteer a bunch of needless help to you when you don't need help for instance <laughs> yeah that is that's a that's a big that's a big one right the, the idea is a lot of us mm-hmm. um we know what we're doing and i can do a task maybe i can do a task faster than you mm-hmm. right and if i saw you doing something and i thought in my head i can do that faster than should i ask someone say hey do you need to do that for you <laughs> yeah, how totally. mad would you be Very right mad. yeah, it's, so, yeah it's, an insult. It's, it's the idea that like um, they are automatically assuming that I'm going to be not able to do this task They're as a well hero, as them. I'm sure. Right. They're <laughs> going to be a hero. And you know, I appreciate the, the thought process, right? I know people have the best intentions, you know, growing up the, the, the way that I have, you know, you think that, you know, that people are not trying to insult you, not trying right. to offend you. You have to keep that in mind. Some of the times when you hear some of these comments where you're like, they mean the one they meant well, they meant well, yeah. <laughs> they meant well. Um, I, I tweeted about it the other night. I had a woman at the, at the gas station who uh, said, Oh, poor baby. What happened to you? Oh, man, and man, immediately. Man. And I was like, Oh, if I had like, I was like cringe, but I was like, Oh, nothing. I, uh, I was born without my arm. I wear a prosthesis. And she said, Oh, Bet she could still kick someone's ass though. Yeah, yeah. That, <laughs> and I just yeah. thought it was the best best way to to loop back around. I'm like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's interesting, very much. So here's what where it becomes really interesting to me um, is I've thought about and had people on the show before and discussed transhumanism, which is a term you're mm-hmm. familiar with. Absolutely. Okay. I'm 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 not any I don't know that much about it. I'm not way into it. I don't go to the conferences or anything like that. But I just <laughs> love thinking about the concept, and uh, I I don't know if everybody's that familiar with it. And so when we talk about ability, disability, and technology in the future, which is man, just where where my head's usually at, you know, whatever you might be, if somebody wants to say disability, it's not that I I love the notion, and it's certainly possible that you're 
arm and your abilities will be better than any of mm-hmm. ours. And I don't even know what the timeline is on that, but or what the possibilities are there. But that's very fascinating. And I'm yeah, curious I, how you think about transhumanism itself. So I'm actually uh, friends with a lot of transhumanists. Um, for some reason, my voice. No problem. I'm fr- I'm friends with a lot of transhumanists. Um, I actually um, have gone to Body Hacking Con the last three years. I hosted it this year, oh, the really? whole conference. Yeah. So I'm friends with quite a few transhumanists. Uh, but the thing was, when I first um, got invited, right, to be a part of this, I had no idea what I was getting into. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> it was the idea that I thought, I knew that there were other amputees going. The first conference I went to that I found out about this was called Geek Picnic in Russia. And um, wow. it was some amputees that work high-tech prostheses like me. And then it was some other people that I wasn't really sure what they were up to. And um, there's someone there named Neil Harbison. Um who he was born colorblind and he wears, he had implanted this camera that comes over the top of his head, mm-hmm. uh, kind of similar to an anglerfish, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and instead of seeing color, he hears a tone for whatever color he's looking at. Awesome. Because right. it makes so the analysis and whole it translates it to a different sense. Yeah, Exactly. It's a whole new sense. Um, then there's Moon Rebus who has like a seismograph in her elbow so she can pick up um, earthquakes uh, activity. Whoa, I don't know. I've never um, heard of that. Rich Lee, um, who has come up with the Lovetron 9000, which is like a vibrating pelvic implant. Like there's this all Wait, these what different does that things. Do? <laughs> it's, it's a vibrating pelvic implant. Right. So it's typically for your partner, I would wow. say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um, there's people that have come up with all these different things, right? And I Robo was just Dawn. kind of. Ex- yeah. Pretty much. It's called, it's called the Lovetron, okay. right? So <laughs> Lovetron 9000. But um, no joke, that is the That's name great. of the That's great. I love the embracing of the, 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 of the yeah. you know, spoofy technology, you know, yeah, exactly. naming and stuff. That's great. Yeah. And all these people that I met, I was like, you know, I thought I knew about tech. And then all of a sudden I was like, whoa. And they had this idea of the fact that, you know, this is your body and you're allowed to do what you want with it. And whether that's adding a sense, changing a sense. You know, and for me, I was born without my arm. Technically, I'm not replacing anything. I never had a left hand. I'm Mm -hmm. adding something that's new and different and functionally, you know, I didn't have lights in my right hand either. Like, you know, I'm adding things that I want to. And so I also have an RFID chip in my hand, which is one of the things that I got at Body Hacking Con in my sound side, not my prosthesis. what, What does that do? So I don't know if you've heard about the RFID chips, um, or the, the NFX chips there, um, I don't know if you're going to be able to, you can see it, but it's in, it's in between right there, that yep, little piece. I see it. Um, so that's the size of a piece of rice and um, it's in between my thumb and my index finger and you can scan them, right? Mm-hmm. So if you have one of the readers on your phone, like if you have an Android, you can do a reader. Um, iPhone's getting a little better at it, but they, they don't like it as much. Um, you can put information on it. So some, there's a guy uh, in Australia who I'm friends with. His name's Meow. Um, legally changed to meow meow. Uh, I can, uh, he's, he's a scientist, like a neurophysicist, real smart guy, but he implanted his, in Australia, they have oyster cards. It's like a subway card. Mm -hmm. His is in his hand. And there was just a huge court case because Australia didn't like that. Um, but it's the idea that anything that you can do with a key card, like you would for an office or an apartment building or anything like that, I can have implanted in my hand. So um, from unlocking my house, my car door, anything like that. You won't need keys with you anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I also have the technology in my prosthesis, but you know, at the conferences, a lot of times with these transhumanists, they're like, well, what about when you take off your arm? You know? And I'm like, all right, oh, let's, funny. let's do it then. You know, I'll be a so you really embrace that off. community then. then that, Absolutely. Yeah. They, they're so, um, accepting of everything. And, and I know it's a hard sell for a lot of people. Oh, totally. There's some people that are like, whoa. I, a lot of know? people stop right there. I mean, we hadn't gotten anywhere yet compared to where we're headed oh. with transhumanism, oh. but a lot of people get off the bus right there at the implanted chip. Just the sound yeah. of that is oh, pretty much a deal breaker to most people. <laughs> happened recently. I, I read an article about it. There's a, a soda company that does, um, the machines, I can't think of what they're called, like Coke machines type mm-hmm. thing, but not Coke. Um, and they were having their employees do implants because it was one of the ways that they could do something with the machine and read it. And mm-hmm. they said only half of the employees agreed to do it. And the other half were like, ah. <laughs> um, what are some features and body hacking things and transhumanist stuff that it seems like is possible or coming? Are you aware of, you got any good things on that of where we're headed? 
the thing with, with bio, biohacking and body hacking is they have to be very careful because it's not medical, right? The idea mm-hmm. is, you know, the FDA has watched them carefully and the medical community has watched them carefully. So um, one of the cool things that my friend Gabriel Lucina did uh, had to do with like night vision um, drops that were really cool. And I thought that was something that now that he's done it, I'm sure more people are going to be looking into how to do this, mm-hmm. you know, hopefully, you know, in a commercially available sense. And there's been a big thing with, this isn't as much as altering your body, but making your own medications because it's not as hard oh, as people yeah. think it is. Like, you know, and as expensive as it's supposed to, as it is like, you know, yeah. with all these things. Um, so the biohacking community just has all these different facets that we can look into now in tech in general, not just biohacking. Um, there's been so many research studies on adding a finger. Um, that's been a big one recently. There's, and then there's been, um, uh, an, an extra arm Georgia tech did, uh, an exterior drum arm. The, um, so my friend Jason Barnes um, is known as the bionic drummer. Georgia Tech helped him develop, or they he helped Georgia Tech develop a myoelectric drum arm. Mm-hmm. So literally, it has two sticks, one that he controls myoelectrically with his body, and the other one is computer-controlled to help. Um, so he has his sound side, so three sticks total. Uh, and the other one's computer controlled that's supposed to complement whatever he's playing. It hears it and right. then complements it. Which is software drum- and analysis and all yep. that. Yep. Yeah. So as a drummer, though, I think, you know, he doesn't like it some of the times because he wants to play what he wants to play and he doesn't want it to. <laughs> oh, the ghost computer played a <laughs> yeah. r- r- wrong 16th note that he did. Exactly. wasn't his artistic expression now, was it? Exactly. Oh, my exactly. gosh. <laughs> but, uh, but Georgia Tech also recently developed a third arm for drumming. So it's, you know, two sound arms and then an extra exterior oh, arm. Oh, my gosh. So they've been doing some cool stuff, too. Now, this is all research stuff. Who knows if it's going to ever be commercially available for people to buy. But... Um, there's been some cool stuff, products that I'd be interested in if they ever end up on the market that have to do with like haptic feedback. I don't actually have any feeling mm-hmm. feedback um, within my arm. It's the idea that I have to practice. You think about like driving a stick, like right, driving um, manual. Like you, when you first start, right, you have to think about it. Right. You know, go to say this gear, that gear, right. Um, that's how it is. You have to learn. I have to like flex this muscle, flex that muscle to get to here and turn my wrist. And but after a certain amount of time. Um, you kind of just do it, that muscle memory, or you just drive to work without thinking about shifting, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so the other thing is grip pressure. I can't feel how hard I'm squeezing. So I have to practice either on myself or like on an egg or on things like that to make sure that I'm not squeezing a kid's hand or breaking eggs when I don't need <laughs> no, to, yeah, yeah. right? So the, and so the technology is, okay, I'm going to have to talk about this actual arm of yours for a little bit till I understand it. <laughs> it w- w- Okay, let's see. There's the part about how it interfaces to your... Uh, yeah, just for the basics of it, how does Break it interface it neurally or to... How, how does it get How does it get your intentions to grasp in the first place? Yeah, okay. So it's myoelectric, so myo's muscle, right? So it's muscle impulses. Mm-hmm. So how it works is that there are two sensors, um, electrodes, placed within my socket so my arm can come off and on. I take it off at night to charge it, set it next to my phone. Because I'm what's called transradial, um, I'm a below elbow amputee at about two inches after my elbow, mm-hmm. I can literally just pop this thing on and off. You know, it's relatively easy for me as opposed to other people, if they're higher, like what's transhumeral, like above elbow, mm-hmm. they have to wear like a harnessing system. It takes more time. Um, and then that leads to um, more of the implantable titanium rod type devices um, that only have to do with how it's held on, not control, but I'm not at that point yet because below the elbow aren't very good. Um, but so how it works is there are sensors that sit within the socket. And when I flex the muscles in my arm on the, on my residual side, that would typically control the muscles that control your wrist and your fingers. Mm -hmm. Um, it allows me to control the hand. So it's similar to bending my wrist is what I'm technically doing to open and close. And then to change grips, I do what's called an open, open. So you'll see, like, it's like I'm flipping my wrist Mm -hmm. back. That's what I'm doing with my residual limb, um, all within the socket. So these electrodes are picking up these really tiny um, muscle impulses within um, Mm -hmm. my residual limb. And I've programmed them to do different things from, like, controlling my wrist to my hand. I have a software um, program on my computer where I can say, like, this muscle impulse means this. How many this. muscle impulses is are possible? So it really just depends on how many muscles you can isolate. So uh-huh. when you think about, truthfully, 
the, the thought process here has been that acquired amputees, whether it's from trauma or an accident, you know, something, a surgery, that the sooner you put a device on them, the mm-hmm. more um, impulses they're going to be able to remember and deliver. Now it starts to get fuzzy with congenital amputees because I've never had a hand. I don't know what muscles move what way or how they're supposed to work. So um, recently uh, I got to do some pattern recognition software testing, which is I had 30 electrodes in my arm um, to pick up very minute um, Mm -hmm. impulses. And I got seven um, muscle impulse specific muscle patterns, which is different from what I currently do. Um, I think I've heard of someone having 10 as of right now, but 10 unique things that you can reliably recreate that the right within, within your arm. So Mm -hmm. if you think like doing a fist and watching what your arm does, Mm -hmm. pointing your finger and watching what your arm does, Mm -hmm. they have to be distinct enough right now because everything's surface. When we're talking about new technologies, what I can't wait for is the implantable electrodes. None of that currently is commercially available. So you can't buy it. A lot of research places are doing it from like Johns Hopkins and things like that, different hospitals, as well as private companies and private typically moves faster, um, are implantable electrodes. Um, the government's been doing them with veterans recently. They won't take me, obviously I'm a civilian, <laughs> but with veterans, um, they look like similar to my electrode and I mean, my, um, our chip in my hand, they're about the size of a grain of rice and they implant them into the muscle fiber all around your arm. And instead of having to have this socket squeezing my arm, I could just have it fixed up here right. or fixed somewhere else. It wouldn't have to be the way that is fit currently because everything is internal. Yeah. So it doesn't and have, would to allow have to take the extra. More, yeah. Exactly. And would allow for more positions because it's picking up those smaller muscle movements. So and then you could train unique ones, even if they weren't based in the way that your other arm works or somebody else's. Exactly. It's just how many gestures and commands can you articulate yourself and then you can program exactly. however you want you can program them backwards so it reminds yep. me of a video game interface like you know right. the first time you pick up a xbox controller and it has two sticks and you you know there's the alternate ways you can you can have it where if you push up it looks down like right. or, or where you pull back it goes up like a plane or it can be the true thing where you push it and it goes down and all those That's things a great and, comparison. and they're all programmable too so you know, you, once you play with a controller enough or any interface to anything, it disappears and it just becomes right. natural to you. And so that, Absolutely. and so, and then obviously if you get, you start with those implantable ones, but at some point are we heading toward, you know, neural commands? Like, mm-hmm. so it goes to your brain and if your brain, t- you can imagine what, you know, what your arm wants to do, it could do it. Is that something that will people work on actively? Or is that yeah, way right now there's actually, no, no, they are. They've actually been doing that for the last couple of years, doing some different like neural interfaces. But the problem becomes they, they haven't wanted to do it with amputees as much. They've been doing it more with quadriplegics because mm-hmm. they don't want to damage any sense of function that you currently have. Mm-hmm. So what they've been doing is having like a bionic arm, a, you know, leg, different thing, like mostly arms because arms are more bionic than legs currently. Can you define um, bionic for us? Yeah, so it's funny because it's a, it's a broad term right now. Bionic typically tends to reference these more high-tech myoelectric devices that are powered by your body. Mm-hmm. Um, bionic can mean so many different things, and it's just become one of those like catch-all words at this point in time. Mm-hmm. But it differentiates but, from prosthetic in this case. At least. Right, exactly. A prosthetic could be completely passive. It's manual. It could be a hook. Uh, a prosthetic, <laughs> seriously, a Do prosthetic be, yeah. is... Yeah, it's I was just laughing because I just was, I, I'm, you know, apologize if this doesn't land right, but I was just watching the movie Kingpin, which is one of my favorite oh, movies. Do you find, yeah. is that a movie that you would dislike or? I'm just no, no, no. I that. like Kingpin, yeah. I, I mean, no, you know, I, like I don't Kingpin. know if that seemed, now that I say, that, that it crossed my mind, I wonder, does that seem mocking or not? But, no, because yeah. a hook, to me, like Kingpin uses the hook correctly. So like, <laughs> it's not like Captain Hook, like that's mm-hmm. a real hook. So the idea is, some people say like, when I say hook, they think like a hook, yeah. like a hook is a device, right. like. They're actually super practical and useful for the people that want to use them. This hand, because it's tech, think about it's like your iPhone, right? Mm-hmm. Think if you were going to work construction or a busy job, like any type of manual labor job, you're not going to use your iPhone. You're going to use, you know, that's why people put the otter boxes on their phones, right? right? Or these Tuffware. Yeah, there you so go. That's a good analogy. The hook is more so meant for these heavy duty type jobs. 
these arms are not there yet to mm-hmm. be used, you know, to ride a rodeo bull. Like they're not there. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I wish when we're getting there, but they're still, like I said, these small motors, these things that are great because they can have a small size hand, but still not as powerful or strong enough as it would be, you know, to do some of these things that we can with our sound side. Makes sense. So it- that makes me think the other way too. If you can have implants and communications going one way, and we're talking about haptic, it would be the other way. So, at some point, you may be able to get sensation from right. the prosthetic back to relate to your brain, so that there is a sensation, an actual sense that that, that you receive. Which is probably yeah. one of the difficulties now is that there's no tactile part of feeling or resistance or slipperiness or whatever things like that. Right. Absolutely. That's a great, that's a great thing to bring up. That's like, that makes perfect sense. And once they are able to do this, they hopefully will be able to wire, right? Quote unquote, wire these things in better to say that I can send and receive these types of information. And slipping is a great point because with these hands, right? When I'm holding say a glass, a cup, anything like that, um, a backpack, say, you know, when you go to zip a backpack and it's Mm -hmm. really full and you're trying to pull it, Um, and my hand will slip off of it and I'll say, gosh, I wish I could grip harder. And it's not that I, that you need to grip harder. Think about how hard you're gripping it with your sound side. It's the fact that it was slipping and I didn't know to read exactly. Mm -hmm. It's not having that feedback. So, um, I'm excited. That's, that's what you just said is one of the things that I'm most excited for is to have these implantables that can send and receive information. Mm -hmm. So how does the software part of it work? How does it interface? I mean, is it, you don't have a USB port on there, right? Do you? I I have have Bluetooth. Okay. So it's Bluetooth to the software where you can change the gestures and the, yeah, that's okay. That's awesome. So So, go ahead. Depending on the different type of hand you have, I wear be bionic. Um, mine has a software program on my computer. There's another hand that has, um, an app. Um, so it just depends on, you know, which device you're wearing and, um, how you want to program it. So I can go through and say, turn up what we refer to our gains. Um, technically a lot of times with the be bionic, the user isn't supposed to use this as much. The prosthetist is supposed to handle it more because it is some things that if a user wasn't familiar, um, they could mess up, uh, very like specific things like what we call the gains. So it's like these dials that you can turn in within the electrodes or within the hand. And it says how strong of a muscle impulse you need to send. Cause think about it. If you were to grab something, say if you received pressure downward, mm-hmm. your arm would automatically flex, right? You see your mm-hmm. life for like just because you're pushing down. So sometimes uh, if that was similar to your open signal, all of a sudden you drop something that you were holding because of that force. So they have to say, actually, we need you need to send out more of an impulse than you would receive in this manner so you doesn't inadvertently trigger it, right? Mm-hmm. So your gains have to do with that, saying, like, you need this much or this little. Sometimes people who are acquired amputees say um, they have a lot of scar tissue. Uh, their signals are very weak in the beginning because it's trying to get through all of that mm-hmm. um, until they work at it more and practice more and that stuff kind of wears down. Um they can turn the gains up really high so they can pick up those really light impulses. So that's something that you can adjust in the software. Um, my arm, um, if you can hear mm-hmm. it beeps when I change grips, um, that's something I like because if I do send an inadvertent signal and accidentally change grips, oh I want to know. Gosh. Okay. So I understand that now that you say that, but um, again, something I wouldn't have thought of. So you change grips, so it's going to be a totally different thing. And if it did not beep, you could reach out to grab somebody's hand and then the op- yeah. a weird thing happens. Or to So my two grips that are back to back right anticipate. here are what's called lateral. So mm-hmm. like if I close my hand, this is lateral. This is typically what I would use to shake someone's hand. If I'm in lateral normally, right, mm-hmm. I just go and shake their hand. If I accidentally change, I might end up in finger point. And then I go to shake their hand and I'm going <laughs> to do one of these, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That doesn't hurt anyone. A little embarrassing for me. So it's one of those things where like, I like the beep because it lets me know where I am and I can hear it as well as there's also a vibrate. It's, it's very minor. People are like, mm-hmm. that sounds, you know, jarring. And I'm like, no, no, it's like a little, it's mm-hmm. in the wrist way up here. So it doesn't feel intense, but it lets me know if I'm in a loud room, I can still feel something, you yeah. know, that I'm like, oh, I changed grips on accident. Oh, this is really, um, that's really exciting to think about. <laughs> that's really, really, really neat. I wish people could see it, but I, I mean, I'm sure you can look it up. But it's, re- it's really cool to see it and hear it in real time. <laughs> I know they can hear the sounds on the audio, so that's neat enough to me. So it interfaces with Bluetooth. So in the arm itself, there's a processor, a whole computer section. Is that very, very small, I imagine, though? Like 
it could be right. put into even a lot smaller prosthetics than the whole arm. Is like, is there plenty of room in there for all so the stuff or, or what? I'm sorry that everybody can't see this, but so to, all of the smart stuff is in here. Okay. In so just hand. in my hand. So in the arm, I have the batteries, the electrodes, the cables that lead and send my signal to the hand. But everything from She's the She's holding her to, hand in her other hand now. I am, yeah. yeah. So if you can hear me, put it back on. Um, so my hand has all the smart stuff in it. So the computers, the motors, the processor, you know, everything that powers the hand and interprets all that information is in the hand. Mm -hmm. Um, which is amazing that they made it so small. So this is the first ever small size multi-articulating hand that came out three years ago. Before that, I was wearing hands that were three times the size of my hand almost. Can you tell me, aside from, I don't know, subsidy or any thing else going on what that what your unit there is is worth what it costs <laughs> i mean i mean you know I, i'm sure it works out different ways and how you right. interface with programs but just the actual if it just the list price of a thing like that or the value of it do you know what it is so that's the issue is because it's a medical device mm -hmm. it really just depends on so many things mm -hmm. so there's the hand just the hand if you wanted to buy just the hand which you wouldn't do and then there's wrist units um I actually have another hand here. So um, this is my other hand that I wear, um, which is the same B Bionic hand, different color, but also has a second wrist joint. So different I have features a on a different hand. Right. Amazing. So I have I have a rotator, right? Yeah. That spins all the way around if I wanted to. Yeah. So you, right now her hand is spinning three sixty. <laughs> and then I have my flexion extension. So that's two different wrist units. So hand, two mm -hmm. wrist units, and then I have flex cell batteries, which are kind of a more expensive battery because. They're thinner and lighter, and I think they, to me, I feel like they hold more charge, but for someone who's, what I refer to as short, my arm's short, having a lot of weight is not a good thing, uh -huh. so I like the lighter batteries. I also have, um, I go to a specific, they, uh, they, they specialize in upper limbs, so my arm is all customly made, right? Everything on it, I also have covers that are interchangeable to match my outfits, so let me take off my hand. Um, so, like, this all comes off. And you can see inside oh my, my arm where gosh, my, that is so cool. Yeah. My lights. I have like all the lights, yeah, the yeah. wires, the battery right there. As you can see how charged my arm is. That's my oh, charging man, that, cord. Yeah. This is amazing. So, <laughs> so that's the thing is like, I'm sorry guys, you can't see. But uh, but yeah, so it's it's one of those things where there's so it's so modular that it can range, you know. Let's that's so you want to know there's a difference between list price mm -hmm. because the way this is done, because it's a medical device, is it has to go through a prosthetist, yeah. right? Yeah, I'm you sure can't that just it all buy up. one. Yeah. Now you can go on eBay, and occasionally people will have them listed, but that's very illegal. <laughs> it's very <laughs> illegal. I mean, keep your eye out; nobody's going to catch you if you really want one. But um, but yeah, it's very illegal to do that because it's a medical device. But um, how it works is it's like a mechanic, right? You go to the mechanic, and you're like, I want this. They're going to get everything that you need. So my prosthetist would sit down with me and say what do you want? And I would say, this is the kind of things that I want to do and blah, blah, blah. And my prosthetist would say, um, the bibliotic hand is best for you. Maybe we'll add in a wrist rotator and a flexion wrist and we'll use flex cell batteries and we'll use, this is called a, um, a Munster style suspension and all else covers. He goes, that sounds good for you. Mm -hmm. So then he will go out and get all of these things. Mm -hmm. um, so he buys them, right? And then at the very end, they bill the insurance for the right. device. So that obscures real real market value of anything. Right. Like so that. when you're wanting to say, like, I could tell you, like, maybe, I guess, the, how much the hand costs to him. But then again, he's putting in all this work, or he, she, they're putting in all this work to make this device. And then they also get paid for their work, right? So mm -hmm. parts sure, sure. plus labor, you know. I could say that my hand was billed out at around $80,000. The hand um, itself the device, the whole, the whole, the whole system. Yeah, I was gonna say it's got to be yeah. in the tens of thousands, and then it, it probably does inflate when you deal with insurance, of course. And then in the future, it'll just drop, 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 drop as technology hopefully. and when the, hopefully the more private sector involvement and things. Same thing with three D printing. It's like mm -hmm. I really hope that the printers drop down in price. It's any of those things. The more they exist, the, the more you hope that you know the, the cost will not be as much. Mm -hmm. And so, this people are just gonna go crazy with this. It's so exciting to see it. I've not really I mean it's it's farther along than I I guess I was expecting, which is just 
And now when you say the term modular and show me those lights, so the people are going to go crazy with this. It's like, it's not, it really will be like people may resist it or say weird things about this type of thing. But once they see it in the real world and people get excited about it, it's going to be like they mod out their Hondas and, you know, and they're, <laughs> they're just going to, they're going to be showing it off and, and yeah. outdoing regular human stuff in no time. Like, and, and they're going to, they're going to bump right into uh, competitive sports. It's going to be a real, I mean, it's like, you can hit a home already, run. That's I mean, already been an issue, right? right I mean, now. it's gonna, it's got to be an issue. I mean, I guess you, the fir, the most, the first of that would be the the blades that the people run on. I guess is it is right. That? Well, there's actually a powered blade that's been that's mm-hmm. come out recently that allows you to exert less. So the blades actually are, um, as long as they're done at the right height, mm-hmm. they're they're fine. They're not actually doing any more, quote unquote, than people think. But when people, if they're bilateral, missing both their legs and they make themselves, you know, six, nine, then you're exerting less yeah. force than you would have been, right? Otherwise. Um, so that's a little bit on the iffy side. I have a lot of Paralympic athlete friends who are mm-hmm. worried her going through this currently. But there's a blade that came out. Hugh Herr is a researcher that works through MIT. He's also a bilateral amputee himself, missing both of his legs below the knee. And he came up with the first ever uh, commercially available powered ankle. So it's a bionic ankle. It's called. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really cool. It's called the Empower Ankle. And um, he also has a blade. Um, I'm not sure exactly how it works, but it, it somehow has um, the power in it to be able to exert less force at mm-hmm. the right height. So Amy Mullins, who's an actress, uh, she was on Stranger Things. She's bilateral, um, BK, Bologna. And she want, she spoke, she's a Paralympic athlete. She spoke to the Paralympic co- committee about it. And they were like, absolutely not. <laughs> like, so it's already been, you know, yeah. I think she just did it just to get a reaction. I don't think she actually wanted to, but you know, we are getting there. We're getting to a place where all this cool stuff is happening. And I'm hoping that people embrace it. And, you know, I obviously, though. yeah, they'll have to. I mean, on one hand, it sounds like X-Men or something. People have these superpowers that and if they, where they're not superpowers now, they, they just will be. And then it's like one guy on the construction site that could put on these two arms can, you know, move a load of bricks and do mason rework that he has a, a modular setup for. And he'll be faster and better than the traditional guys that oh, lay masonry. And he'd be worth eight. $150 an hour to do his bricklaying. I think laying. commercially available exoskeletons are going to be out in the next 10 years. They have to be. I mean, it just seems like, I mean, just... They're being worked on right now. I've actually seen some really cool ones. Hugh Herr, the one I was just talking about, he has a really amazing exoskeleton that he's been working on. And like, there's no way they're not going to be commercially available in the next 10 years. It's, and it'll be very disruptive, but I mean, I, I'm excited. It's just a new it. normal, right? Yeah. It's it's the idea of what did we do before cell phones? Mm-hmm. You remember having to call someone and say like, I'll meet you at the mall in an hour. And then they wouldn't show up. And what'd you do? You had to leave mm-hmm. because there was no way to contact them. And then they were like, oh, I'm stuck in traffic for an hour. I'm sorry. But that was just the way things happened then. Yeah. Now everybody could call everybody within 10 seconds and find out what's going on and where you are. So it's just going to be a new way to do things. Have you watched Altered Carbon yet? No, my wife's been watching it, so I've caught some of it, yeah. but Yeah, and so like seeing this new normal of how people are going to have to figure out how they do things. Right. Um, and it's always good to think about, you know, the way that things can be abused and privileges of, you know, it's always good to think Plenty about that stuff as well. Coming, yeah. Exactly. There's always the ethics of it. But at the same time, like, I think the benefits are going to outweigh all of that. Well, these things are kind of runaway in a sense. So this is the time, and there's so many technologies, not just this one that are, we're going to deal with, with artificial intelligence and other computing things. And you, there's going to be tons of these, but the problem is on a lot of stuff, it's easy for people, genetic editing, all that stuff. People think, well, let's, we should not do it because it's scary. Right. Then, or, and people wouldn't do it if it was a sacrifice or difficult or cost them more money and was scary, people won't do it. But right. these things aren't going to go that way. They're going to be demonstrably better. And the human envy part is, holy crap, look at that guy. I mean, the, <laughs> he's got that and it's working out great for him. I've got, I have I totally changed my mind. I've got to get one too. That's the way people will see it once it's out there. And if not, you, there'll be territories and regions and governments that try to ban it, which we always know is going to be weird. Mm-hmm. Even though there's good reasons to try to regulate things that could be dangerous, I get it. But if United States says we're not doing any of this, we're outlawing all these, you know, 
amazing exoskeleton things for that in the workplace. Well, China won't, and Japan won't, and Australia <laughs> won't. And then as soon yeah. as we see them getting the edge, everybody, okay, okay, we'll do it too. So yeah. it, it's gonna, it'll make itself go. I mean, it, it, it right. it'll take, and all the people that think they're not into it, yeah, they'll they'll get with it when once it's demonstrated to be an, an actual advantage. I believe. Well, one of the arguments I think is it has to do with religion a lot of the times is like the God given idea of it. Like this is the body you were given. This is the, you know, mm-hmm. um, which comes up in the show altered carbon as well as the, the way that they have what they refer to as stacks that keep them alive and like changing stacks and different things like that, a, a new body. Um, and whether that's, you know, appropriate within your morality. Um, mm-hmm. and it's just the idea of like, I feel like if, if it exists, the technology exists, it was being, al- if, if you believe in that, that way, right. If it's being allowed, then, you know, if mm-hmm. it's, if it exists in this world, it's for a reason. So, you know, the technology has been right. developed and it's there for a reason. Well, see, I mean, I've spent most of my life in the Christian circles and the people that are afraid of Mark of the Beast and everything else. I know those people pretty well. And his, and you go all the way back through history, and even them, they love to make a bunch of noise and raise cane and be against things, and then they, they get with it too, just slower. Eventually, <laughs> whatever the thing is that they were afraid of, de- desperately afraid of 100 years ago, nobody cares anymore. You know, the, the demons right. in the TV and the radio. and what, right. I don't know. There's just countless things that, 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 that they've opposed until it was like, oh, it's not a big deal. Like, people were upset about the euro currency. I mean, yeah. it's, it's fine. And once if you see it's fine, you, the people get with it. <laughs> <laughs> that's a funny example. So Yeah, no, but it's true. Ahead. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm I'm always optimistic about that, but it but it but that just depends on the development and everything like that. You feel like the private sector is being allowed to play here and the the medical community is there any people that that seem like they're problematic at this point or slowing development anyway or is it proceeding nicely overall? So there's so many things going on. I feel like part of the problem is that nobody is talking to each other. And I get it. People, especially in the private sector, they want a commercialization, right? Capitalism. They want to be the ones to put this out. They don't want to share information. So many people are working on the same thing. Mm-hmm. And like if they just shared information, we could surpass that. I see. And it's just, it's it, for a user, right? It's frustrating. Like I get it from their perspective, right? They they want to have this proprietary, you know, exists in their realm and all of that. Good point. But at the same time, like when I get 30 different emails from companies telling me that they're developing a new myoelectric hand and then we want to hear about, and I'm like, so many, too many other people are doing this. Why are you, they're all why are you spending not working? a couple of billion dollars in R and D and they want to be the ones that profit yes. from it. So, but yeah. nonetheless, if you put all that, if you put all that money together, it would be way less money and you get farther faster. Or even if the fact is like you found out someone else was doing it and saying, oh, okay, you're doing that. Well, then I'll do this part of it. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. like control systems, the way that we control the devices, the hand is great. The hands that we're currently developing, all these joints, the articulation that we have in is fantastic. I can't utilize so many things that this hand is capable of because the control strategies have only started to be changed in the last two, three years. Mm-hmm. Right. Before that, the control strategies we had hadn't been adjusted since the seventies. Wow. So it's like the hands had been being worked on the last 20 years. They, they've been updating the hands, big two big jumps in the last 20 years, right? Big jumps. There's, you know, thing and big jump, kind of mm, then big jump. Like, you know, it, it goes relatively well. But the idea that the control systems are something that they've been avoiding and the, the suspension, how it's held on, has been something they haven't discussed as much. Mm-hmm. So it or wrist units. They've been doing so much with hands, but there's no flexion. There's no powered like I have to manually, it's not the wrong hand. I have to manually move my wrist. Yeah. So like, I can't like actually move my wrist unless I'm like pressing this button. Interesting. So as opposed to this wrist, I can rotate, right? Yeah. That I can power, so cool. it's powered, right? Yeah. So that's what's frustrating is that the only flexion wrist that's available right now just came out last year, an arm that I tested for the US government put out by a company called DECA, sold by Mobius. Um, it's the Luke arm, right? It has a flexion wrist that's powered, but it is not modular. It's only part of that specific device. So you have to wear the Luke hand mm-hmm. and the Luke wrist and the Luke elbow and the shoulder, all these things no, like that. So it doesn't work together, yeah. So you have to have the hand and the wrist. I just want the wrist. Also, like I was saying with the hands being big, the Luke arm is massive. I tested it, Luke right? Luke is in it's, Luke Skywalker. 
Uh-huh. Yeah, so Luke Skywalker <laughs> and the Terminator arm are the two closest things probably in popular media that look. Right. And and they, those existed way before they really existed. Is that? Exactly. Right? I get that a lot where people are like, oh, that's like the Luke Skywalker mm-hmm. arm. And people think like, why can't you just get that arm? And I'm like, those aren't real. <laughs> right, right. Especially I, whatever I, year that was. It, I but, wish they were real. Yeah. <laughs> I wish I could do like in Terminator, especially when he does this. Mm-hmm. I'm like, ah. Oh. Like I could program my hand to do this. I don't know how useful that would be, uh-huh. but it would be that this this script pattern. Right. It wouldn't be what people think it is. The idea that you can have individual control over right. each digit instead of like, and I don't know if people are understanding what I'm doing with my hand right now. But you know, in Terminator, where he like does this thing where he pulls his pinky down to his index, where he kind of just like waves his fingers. Yeah, a finger wave. Yeah. Yeah, which kind of shows that he has control over every digit. And like, I can program the grip to look like that, but it doesn't mean what you think it means. Yeah. Yeah. That it's just a command being executed. Exactly. In a way. Yeah. Instead of uh, organic. I don't know if that would be the exact word for it. Um, yeah, that is really interesting. Is there charities and things like that? Is there a, uh, like a, a uh, you know, I, there's, I don't even want, I'm sure you know, it'd be probably very depressing to think about globally how many people could be helped if we could get technology down oh absolutely and stuff it and is. Who, who's able to have all the nice things that some people do and some people don't that's kind of a tough area right i mean globally is a huge thing but even within the united states mm-hmm. like these devices are insanely expensive mm-hmm. like incredibly expensive and insurance companies especially with these new devices that have come out in the last several years have fought so hard to not cover them mm-hmm. you know and and they, they like to blame it on the employer, which technically I would, a lot of times it is the employer, I guess, would be technically how our system set up their responsibility. But a lot of times employers don't think that way. So how it would work is say, um, I got denied for two years for this hand. It took two years of fighting for this hand to be mine. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's how frustrating it gets. Think about someone who just lost a hand, right? I was born without my hand. I had other options. I had other oh, things yeah. that like, it, it gets really frustrating when you think about how hard They'll like to say things like it's not medically necessary for you to have that type of device. We'll give you a hook or we'll give you a lower tech one, which is, or they'll say, um, the technology is still experimental. That's not, um, a medical necessity to provide that. Mm -hmm. We actually just hit this with, um, microprocessor needs. So if you remember how, when people walked, if they were missing their knee and they wore prosthesis, you'd see them do this thing where they had to kick, right? They had to kind of kick their leg forward. Mm -hmm. That's why their, their gait looked kind of off. The new knees have a microprocessor in them, right? That reads when you lift your leg and honestly does this auto swing. So you don't have to manually kick from like your hip, you know, right? right? You're not throwing your leg out there. Momentum to it. Exactly. You're you're not having to do that anymore. The leg does it for you. So they actually recently, I would say within the last two years, have decided that that is actually a medical necessity. They were like, oh, no, oh, you don't cool. need that. Yeah. So like that was something that took forever. That's been out for 10 years. It took forever for them to agree that that was like, oh, you're right. People need that. That's interesting. So but are there any movements or things to support? Like what I'm asking now is like, is there anything oh, there's grant to programs. do that, that people could even help with or support or follow or anything like that? Well, there's grant programs to help provide devices for people. I actually used a grant program to get what I call my activity arm Mm -hmm. to work out. Obviously, like I said, I can't work out in this arm because it's like, you know, taking your iPhone to go work out. Um, It's more rough and tumble kind of thing. I have attachments for kickboxing and for yoga and things like that. Um, Yeah, it's really cool. I was going to get it, but my mom took my car and it's in my car because I work out and leave it in there. (laughs) But um, but yeah, so there's an organization called Challenged Athletes Foundation. And it's a nonprofit that you can donate to, and they provide grants every year for activity-specific devices for people with physical differences. Mm-hmm. So it's really cool, and that's how I got my device, as well as there's another program called Arms Within Reach, which is just upper limb. It's very punny, right? Arms mm-hmm. Within Reach. Um, <laughs> but um, what else is there? There's several. Uh, Amputee Coalition is a huge nonprofit organization that helps with all of this around the world. Like, they used to be... Uh, um, uh, it used to be just in the U.S. I forget what their name was then, but now Amputee Coalition is global, and they've been trying to they try to find assistance and help and do all these different things for different people throughout the world. A lot of um, Toughware Prosthetics has been doing a great job with. They've built a device that can be modified by size for a user. Um, it's not powered because a lot of areas in the, globally don't even have you know res- consistent power. 
but it's a body powered device that can work like a hook, but that can be modified as someone grows. Right. So they don't need to be refit every year and things like that. That's very expensive. It allows for changes in the body without having, because I have to get refit for my arm every time. Think about it when a woman gets pregnant, right? Mm -hmm. Their, their prosthesis isn't going to fit anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, there's so many different over nine months, how much your body changes. Oh yeah. Um, people's shoe size changes. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But as a kid, right, I got a new arm every year um, because I was growing. Oh, that's so tough because the child development part is the obviously the most critical for it. Uh, there's a whole bunch of other stuff to talk about that we. Yeah, socially, into, but, emotionally, yeah. like there's so many things about that. But it's it's one of those things. Insurance companies don't want to improve it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that's and when I say it's on the employer, it's it's your policy. So say you go to work for somebody and they say, "Here's your insurance policy." You've a lot of people never think to check prosthetics, right? If you're not an amputee right. already, right. right? But say you do become one and all this, or your child is born without a limb and all of a sudden the policy that you signed said, we're only required to provide this. Yeah. And it's like, oh crap. So like you try to go to your insurance and ask for, you know, this one of these devices and they say, well, your policy says we're only provided, only have to provide you the what's most basically necessary. And they're like, right. that's a hook. To me, most basically necessary is a human hand, which you can't provide. So you should provide what's closest to it. But they like to say what's most basically necessary is a hook. So, yeah, that's an interesting point of philosophy there. It's debatable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's tough. I just think about kids, you know, like uh, in a way it's been good for you that you were born congenitally without the arm in a way. You would think, or or correct me if I'm wrong about that, if you lost a limb, is is that typically more difficult for people? Yeah, I feel like it's just different levels. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. like obviously if you lose a limb – it's much easier to get approved for a prosthesis because mm-hmm. the insurance company was like, Oh uh, yeah. We so have just to, to get it. you back to your job. Right. So exactly. They sense. assume that, Oh, you need this to do what you were doing before. Mm-hmm. I've been told from an insurance company that I should be used to it by now. Oh no. Well, you look like you're getting along fine. Well, you were born. Yeah. Who are you to like, who are they to make that decision? You know what yeah. I mean? Like, like you don't get to decide how my body performs or how, like, you know what I mean? That kind of thing. So, and then on top of that, but obviously in learning and relearning, um, kids are so plastic or so adaptable, right? You figure out anything. Mm -hmm. So it's the idea that, you know, I grew up learning how to do it this way. So I do feel like that is easier in the sense that relearning, especially as an adult, because your brain's so set in your ways at that point, right? Mm -hmm. That relearning to do a task that you've been doing for 30 years is pretty difficult. So there's its pluses and minuses in the situation. You know, people always ask me, is there like a rivalry in the amputee community between like, mine's harder, mine's harder. And I'm like, (laughs) no, no, we don't really. I literally, I've never met anyone who's been like, yeah, but you're congenital. Like nobody's ever done that to me or been like, oh yeah, but you're acquired. Like that's never happened. And I hang out with a lot of amputees. (laughs) Well, I'm really impressed with it. You know, I'm just really impressed with the spirit of you and what it seems like to be other people that I've encountered or seen. And it's definitely just moving forward, make it better, get on with it. Like I, it just feels like, yeah, it doesn't feel competitive, like, like that kind of stuff. It, like a lot of things are that way. And, and this community right. is just kind of exciting because it embraces tech because it's clearly the solution. It's not political. And yeah, there's insurance stuff, but this is just work hard, sh- save the money, share it, help the kids do get it kick the ball down the road. And of course, private yeah. sector, I know they're profit motivated, but good, you know, just yeah. move all those things forward. And that's, it's just kind of really interesting to think about that one. And I just, again, I can't stop thinking about the kids. I really do get real irritated at my toddler when she outgrows her shoes and I have to buy new ones. <laughs> exactly. Like, can't you just when stay was, a size four? It's <laughs> like my mom, my, I'm my mom, they remember when I started growing out of it, I would just take it and throw it across the room and oh, they'd know and they'd all just be like, me. oh gosh, it's too small. Like they just know that it wasn't God. right anymore. I mean, I think I got, I got two a year until I was three and oh, with no, the price yeah. of these things, right? I and mean, it's like the I most important to, time to develop and learn to use it and have the best right, stuff and exactly, get your other exactly. muscles going and compensating things and all that. And like, I'm never going to argue with, there are a lot of congenital amputees and a lot of congenital amputee parents of, of kids who have these um, limb differences that come up to me and they say, oh, your arm's really cool, but my kid gets along just fine. I would never tell them that they don't. They do mm-hmm. because I can do everything that I want to do without my arm on. Just the idea is most of these tasks, like we said, are desi- aren't designed for someone with a limb difference. So when I'm thinking of taking care of my body, 
I would rather do it with my device because I can do it more so the way it was designed, which is safer for me. Mm-hmm. I would never tell these parents that there's anything wrong with these kids because I know there's nothing wrong with me. You know, we're all fine. We can get along just fine. But if you want to try change it or possibly do something maybe better, maybe more efficiently, maybe safer, you have that option. That's and that's so what's cool. important. I love that when you were talking about the transhumanist vibe over there at the conferences is like there's a real ethical part of it or progressive notion of, well, these are our bodies. We we can choose what we do or don't do right. or don't right. do not enhance or enhance or embrace yes. or do something way outside of, you know, what is speaking natural. of way outside. So there's a little girl. Her name is Jordan Reeves, and she has an organization she recently started called Project Unicorn. Mm-hmm. She's 11. And when you talk about she's congenital, like me, missing her arm, she's above her elbow. So a lot of the devices are crappy for someone her her size, how small she is, to do what she wants to do. So she didn't like any of them. But you know what an 11-year-old does want to do? Shoot glitter. She made a <laughs> – she 3D printed and designed an entire prosthesis that only, solely oh shoots God, glitter. so good. So the idea of, like you're saying, what it you want to do so and don't do, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, I, she did, there's nothing I hate more than glitter around my house. I've I got know. two little girls. So aside from the fact that I'm anti-glitter, that oh, makes me delighted. Oh, her mom said the same thing. Her mom's so funny. She was like, I don't know why this had to be what she wanted to do. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> but I'm going to support her. <laughs> that, is th- that is just pure, pure thinking and problem solving and creativity. Right. Busting out, and that is yeah. that is everything. It doesn't need about to be future. a hand. It just needs to be what you decide it oh, should man. be. I feel like kids have this, and I've, I've been saying this for years, and I know it's true. If you can get the right kids at the right age doing the right creative parts of our oh, yeah. society, they're going to come up with stuff that is not accessible to adults because we think in older patterns in different ways. Right. Their brains just work so differently. It's a direct thing. You don't go through the old pathways of how to replace this. You just think, what if I had a, a glitter shooting arm? Yeah. And, there's a, and that's just a fun one, but I mean, there'll be practical things. I'm sure there's software oh, there's solutions. there's a tentacle. There's a, someone made a tentacle that's functional. That's pretty <laughs> With suction yeah. cups on it or what? I don't think there's suction cups, but it's like, it. it, it there should be. It, it's I think it's foam, so it's pretty grippy, but it wow. can bend. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, too much it's just to the idea about. of like, yeah, why not? Why not? I and like it. you said with kids, like their brains aren't stuck in like what they know about because they, no, don't, they don't know, know. about that That's much. That's a good thing. So they don't know that if this isn't something they should look into. Her arm, Jordan's arm is literally shaped like a unicorn horn that has extra reloads of glitter on the side and is has um what's it called compressed air that shoots glitter like why not like so happy because i bet she's happy about all that yeah she loves it yeah she's great and that's the thing is good attitude the devices that she was she she has what she refers to as her helper arm which is similar to my activity arm because Mm -hmm. but all the powered arms right now are too bulky and heavy for her Mm -hmm. you know she's she just turned 11 she's smaller like you know and to put this kind of weight on her, because like if you're missing your elbow, that's a whole nother mechanic, like yeah, um, another electronic joint. joint. Yeah. Those are heavy. Mm-hmm. We've just gotten to a point where we're reducing the size of the hand. And when you think about population wise, almost 75% of the population of amputees is lower limb. So we're a very small part of the population. And then when you get to upper limb, there's the most of people missing digits. Then it goes to wrist disarticulation. Then it goes to transradial and then transhumeral. Mm-hmm. So when you're getting up here, it's such a small portion of the population that they don't work that hard on the elbows or the shoulders yeah, yet. That's because, the problem with, with you know cures to diseases that with yeah. drugs too. It's like, well, it, only eighty people in the world have this, and it would yes. be curable with for you know twenty billion dollars. We could fix it, yeah. but we're that's not worth. It's not worth it to anybody to spend. It just even needs to get to a point where we can invest people. in it. Yeah, yeah, where we can invest in this it's, kind of thing. Very unfortunate, but my gosh, I you know uh, our time's up here, and I appreciate this so <laughs> much. I could, I really could do a lot more of this because there's so many fascinating things to think about. But my main takeaway is just I feel excited and encouraged by mostly the attitude and the forward thinkingness of this. I think this is what we should apply this type of transhumanist and tech forward solutions. I really do believe it's what we should be using to solve more of our problems from guns to other political stuff to almost everything. People just want to fight about what is. And when I think about these new ways of thinking and new things being involved and the way kids think freely and creatively, these are the the things that are going to improve our society going forward versus trying to get other people to agree with you about something we've been arguing about for a hundred years. 
Right. It's it's moving on from what we've been doing to try to go to what we're mm-hmm. going to do. And hopefully that's what people are excited about to see where we're going to be in 10 years. Yeah, because this attitude transcends just prosthetics and bionics. I mean, this right. is a, it's just a great way to be. But thank you for, for uh, your attitude and your work and your willingness to not want to just move past this or, or hide it, but to just embrace it and educate other people and talk about it freely. I admire it so much. So thank you very, yeah. very much. Yeah, thank you. This is me all the time. So <laughs> good. Well, good luck to you in in acting and film and everything else. Do you have some new stuff coming out or pit things you want people to watch? I saw something that you said you don't have a release date for, but tell us about that. Oh, I have um, Goliath comes out this summer. It's shown Amazon with Billy Bob Thornton. So oh, I I'm love excited Billy about Bob. that. Yeah. Did you get so to work with check him? Check it out. Did I? I didn't get to work on the scene with him. I worked mm. on the scene with someone else who's a new character that I can't say yet. But um, I got to meet him and talk to them. And he's actually a really cool guy. Um, you know, he gives off that vibe yeah. of being like kind of, you know, bad Santa, whatever. Right. He's so nice. <laughs> That's great. Well, so that's Goliath on Amazon this summer. Yeah, well, good luck to you with everything that you're doing. And we'll, we'll check back in and talk another time, I hope. Yeah, sounds great. All right. Appreciate it very much. All right. Ever heard of stoicism? Chances are, if you have, you've heard of stoicism with a lowercase s and not stoicism with an uppercase s. Lone wolves, no emotions, antisocial behavior, cold, indifference, all that is stoicism with a lowercase s. Stoicism with an uppercase s is the ancient Greek philosophy and virtue ethics framework that centers on service to the cosmopolis to include your family, friends, community, and planet, and the development of a good moral character. My name is Tanner Campbell, and I'm the host of Practical Stoicism, a three times a week podcast teaching Stoic principles and concepts to anyone interested through the exploration of texts and deep dives into various moral topics. You can find Practical Stoicism where you're already listening to podcasts by searching for Practical Stoicism or by going to stoicismpod.com. I invite you to give it a listen today. You just might like it. Hello, and welcome to Novel Conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo, and for each episode of Novel Conversations, I talk to two readers about one book. And together, we summarize the story for you. We introduce you to the characters, we tell you what happens to them, and we read from the book along the way. So if you love hearing a good story, you're in the right place. Our ninth season is coming this fall. Tune in to hear from some of the all-time great authors, Charles Dickens, Jules Verne, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more. Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts.